Connor, you know on our podcast we love talking about theater, pop culture, love, and life in New York City. That's tea. We try our best to capture the ins and outs of every moment of the cultural and current zeitgeist. But we don't always have time to include everything. Exactly. So we're here today to tell all you drama listeners about this fabulous nonpartisan newsletter called The Collective. We've both been subscribers for a minute now, and let me tell you, it is absolutely worth it. Yes, God. Every Friday morning, The Collective will send you a political recap of what the biggest national and world events of the week were. It also provides weekend talking points that'll have you ready for your socially distant picnics and family Zoom game nights. Are people still doing those anyway? Okay. Oh Head to thecollectivenewsletter.com or go to the link in the episode description and literally just sign up to get your weekly dose of news. It's drama that you can't miss out on because it literally affects you and everyone. The Collective will have you covered. All right, on to the show. Press play, curtain of an hour in. It's time to take a spin. With shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on the option? No, oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we, we talk, talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in New, New York, York City. City. And we are in sync, and it is all is right in the world. We're sitting in the same room. We are looking at each other. Which is shocking. I know. For reasons, <laughs> for reasons that we probably joked about on the Quarantine Diaries back in April and May, which feel like a distant dream. They are a distant dream. Do you remember how we did that? No. And I'm so like, somebody is currently listening. Someone texted me that they're listening back on them for the first time, which, okay, why weren't you listening? Better late than never, Connor. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I know people are busy and whatever, but I forget what I was going to say. It was probably about they were listening to some of the quarantine episodes. Oh, and I was thinking to myself, how crazy that we did that and people still listened and then like still continued on to hear the rest of our interview episodes. I'm going to say this on the record. Our podcast, we thought it was going to wane in listenership during the no guest episodes. It'd rather thrive. I know. Like, we shouldn't probably just get rid of the guests forever. No, no. <laughs> it behooves me to say that we were inspired by these one-on-one conversations to do a Patreon, which is weekly bonus content, perhaps a couple times a month. And we promised it in the final quarantine diary, which was called Today I Had a Thought. Oh, remember that? I was obsessed with saying that for like a week or two. And I just want to say that that has not gone away. We just did not feel like putting out a subscription service for like $5 a month was right because we started recording Patreon episodes that are probably going to be lost to history now. They are. That means there's at least three episodes lost to history. (laughs) I think we actually talked about this in our, those Patreon episodes that we recorded. Right, right. But we recorded them. I mean, not to interrupt you, but we recorded them and then George Floyd was murdered. Right. And the world changed. Right. And so we were like, yeah, we wanted to put out the Patreon, which was going to have like bonus episodes. It was going to have access to merch. Maybe but, some some special interviews with non-Broadway folk yeah. who, you know, like, well, I'll keep that a secret. We'll keep it a secret because it is coming. But anyway, we just felt like, you know what? People shouldn't be spending their money on these two white kids because I want to keep us young. Um, people shouldn't be spending their money on us. They should be donating towards worthy causes that right. actually need the financial which support. is also why we decided not to launch merch which i will say we've commissioned commissioned hunters get so mad at me when i say commissioned but we have enlisted some friends who are going to design some merch and we already have seen some of the initial the initial looks of the the first collection that's right volume one volume one oh, of the merch what should we call it well we'll find something silly yeah. um and it's going to be great and i think that as we head forward and we continue to see that We're not in quarantine as much as we were, but we're still kind of in this new brave new world that people can rock their drama merch. They can get their extra episodes and everything will be good. And I've missed this. I've missed it, too. It feels like when today I had a thought, which Mm -hmm. I haven't thought about that quote in so long, but I feel like I'm having an epiphany as we're speaking where I'm like, this is what the podcast is is it's what inspired us to start it it's what it should be i've no of no shade or disregards any of our like zoom episodes that we do 
but I'm like afraid to laugh sometimes because I'm a, I know it'll affect the sound quality of right. the the Wi-Fi and stuff. And I feel like I'm I, I sometimes hold back on saying something because I know it'll cut out the sound of someone right. else. It Nothing sucks. can replace the in-person conversations, which we thankfully recorded. You know, almost thirty of those before. Maybe. And I think I've completely overshot that number there. <laughs> no one knows. We'll see. Um, and then, you know, the Zoom conversations have been great. And there's been some of them that we've really have felt like we're in the room. Like 100%. Like Catherine Gallagher and Jordan Luke Gage are the first two that come to mind. Yeah. And of course, our friend George Salazar and our new friends, Jenny and Kara. Like just so many, so many great people who have really transcended the the medium of, of podcast yeah. Zoom style but i hope that we can get back to being in person soon even if i'm wearing a face shield and we're sitting on the opposite sides of a giant conference room table like 50 shades of gray style oh, okay wait remember that scene when is that that's when she kind of starts to have power and she's wearing that like, i think but i dress. like the twilight series maggie you're gonna kill me for saying this like the twilight series i block out 50 shades of gray oh my god you know what i think that 50 shades is camp and I will go on the record and say, I think Dakota Johnson understood that it was camp. You know, speaking of Dakota Johnson. I'm shaking because I knew it would come to this. But all I'll say is, I don't think those movies are good, but I have seen all of them. But the, the Fifty yes. Shades ones. Speaking of Ms. Dakota Johnson. Girl. When we say someone threw the first brick, we <laughs> reference the uprising of Stonewall in which Ms. Marsha P. Johnson and... Sylvia Rivera led the charge at Stonewall. That's right. Yes, God. We reference it now as sort of like a, a metaphor, some might say, for social change. Yes. And when Dakota Johnson sat opposite Ellen DeGeneres and she said, actually, Ellen, that's not true. Oh, I'm shaking. In regards to Ellen claiming she wasn't invited to Dakota's birthday party. When we all knew where Ellen was that weekend, cozying up next to former president of the United States, George W. Bush. Or as our high school history teacher called him, Shrub Jr. Yes. Think about it for a second, then we'll move on. Speaking of shrubs, I have something to tell you later. Okay. Weird. Yeah. She said to her, actually, Ellen, that's not true. And we knew in that moment that Ellen was disingenuous. We knew. And And you know what? Her empire's crumbling before our very eyes. It's true. I want to just say my heart goes out to everyone who was terrorized by Ellen, including her staff who are falling on the sword for her now. They are. And, you know, we're, of course, referencing the fact that Ellen DeGeneres and her TV show, The Ellen Show, is is currently being investigated and exposed for systems of abuse, systems of abuse, racism, horrible horrible quality um like work in culture environment etc right just that it's a horrible place to work and that you know you can't look at ellen in the eye when you're walking down the hallway mm-hmm. or just the the horribly racist things that, there are twitter threads that outline ugh. the way people have been treated by ellen and her producers because you know the snake this is the saying the snake rots at the head Things the fish the fish, the rots, fish rots, rots the head it's like what, well she's a snake <laughs> and I, I say that her producers are falling on the sword, but from what I've heard, some of the producers are monsters as well. Yeah. And, you know, down with that. One of them's gone already. Yes. And as we struggled with the Leah Michelle of it all earlier this summer, I hate to see women torn down. Ugh, especially a queer woman. Mm-hmm. The only openly gay, I mean, I, I think, at least the most popular openly gay talk show host, female talk show host. I don't know her name, but there's that late, late show host. Who is she by? I believe she's queer. Lily Singh. Lily Singh. I don't know. I don't know anything about her. Yeah. Well, Ellen is daytime anyway. She so. allegedly took jokes from Kat Cohen. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Ellen is daytime. I know. I just I hate to see it. And people are like, oh, James Corden's gonna replace. And like, oh, so James Corden will steal another role from a queer person? Oh. Like when he took the role of Barry from a gay man, Brooks Ashmanskis in the prom, and now he's gonna do it in the prom movie. Anyways, I'm gagged. I'm feeling wild right now. I, I am too. But, but anyway, I want to see Ellen replaced with some an, another gay woman. Who could it be? Wanda I, Sykes? I, I, bring Rosie Twitter, back? People on Twitter are like, make it Jujube <laughs> I know, Drag I Race. You know, why, why don't we have uh, someone who's a little bit younger, more modern? We see um, all these Instagram conversations happening. We yeah. see like, different like roundtable style, things like that. Bring someone else in. Bring a drag queen in. We saw how RuPaul's show went, and, and I think Ru's nah. not the vibe we want for no. this. No. You know, Kelly Clarkson does a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah. She's Drew Barrymore great. is going to be doing a talk show. 
but we want a gay person. I don't even need her to be a woman. Make them a person of color too, because this is just stupid. I'm bored with Alan. Let's move on. I know. My, in my head, though, I'm brainstorming like who it could be. And there are endless options. And I think that there's got to be smart people out there who will swipe up the right person. Do you see that Scooter Braun is like coming to Ellen's defense? I've seen that. And that doesn't surprise me at all. He's a disa- disaster. What a snake. And, you know, the only song on Folklore that <laughs> I don't care for fully is My Tears Ricochet. My Tears Ricochet. My tears, the tears Track r- five. Which, you know... It's a it's a diss track in many ways to Scooter Braun. It is. Did you not know that? No. And I just don't connect with it. Maybe I just haven't had that experience. Um, I also don't connect with Epiphany. I know. Is that rude to say? Folklore is a work is a masterpiece. Taylor Swift's Folklore, her eighth studio album, which when we recorded our episode with Kara, it had been out for like. 24 hours hours. and we were busy doing something we were in the city and i don't know that i had fully processed how masterful and iconic and emotional and everything about it just it's amazing taylor nailed it again she did and it's people are calling it her best album they're saying all these things about it it's breaking her records that she set here's the secret listeners who might not love taylor She's been putting out great work for ye- de- a decade plus. Oh, my God. I mean, listen to On Her Fearless album, the song 15, mm-hmm. and you will be taken back to when you were 15, literally like a freshman feeling all these, you know, hormones and emotions and love and friendship. And y- you literally, I remember our mom was listening to it in the car with us once, and she was like, wow, I like that song. And we were like, what? That We were in high school at the, at the time, and she was like, I remember being 15, like, Taylor just can make you feel like you've experienced things that you haven't experienced. And I think that's what she's nailing about folklore mm-hmm. is that there are some things that I I have been either lucky or unlucky to not experience. But I still feel so emotional at the work she's putting out. She just never disappoints, in my opinion. And I think there were precursors to this album. Like, for example, The Lucky One. Oh, on Red. On Red, which is this gorgeous song about perhaps Joni Mitchell. People thought perhaps it was actually Taylor predicting her own ultimate um, recoiling from the industry. Oh, Connor and I were so good. Full body chills. It's just amazing. Um, well, cause she does something similar in the last great American dynasty, mm-hmm. which is my favorite song on folklore. <gasps> okay. It, wait, okay, give me your favorites there. Okay. So it's last great American dynasty. Okay. okay. The one. Mm, so good. August. Betty, mm-hmm. Invisible String. That's a good, that's a good talk. What about five. you? Okay, number one is August, which of course is this incredible summer romance reflection. And you know what my favorite part about it is? Taylor, who nails the bridge every time, and I know everyone says that, and it's like going around the internet, she also nails the outro. Because, okay, in the bridge of August, she does this amazing, it's it's amazing. It's like, you know, meet me behind the mall, all these different things. Um, and then she goes into an outro where she starts repeating some of the lyrics. There's even, and then the sound starts to kind of echo out, and it becomes fragments. And the song itself has you know, like 20 to 30 seconds of music as it fades out. Mm -hmm. And I just can't, can't help but think about how this song is a memory play. It's looking back on this time and it's fading out like a memory. So as she's telling us these, these lyrics, these words from this, you know, summer love that's lost, it's fading out and it becomes fragmented. It's just this wonderful, perfect story. The glass menagerie is shaking. <laughs> I tried to think of the title of it a second ago, that. but I, I couldn't. Knew you were say okay, it. so anyway, August is just beautiful. I'm, Lisa Combs um, told me she texted me at like twelve, you know, twenty the mm. night folklore commission. She goes, August, it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay, so August is number one, and then I have trouble with the next four picking what goes where. In no particular order. No particular order. It's like Betty, Mirrorball, the one. And Cardigan. Uh, Cardigan is great. And it grew on me. I didn't think it grew was. on me. I was surprised that was the one she did the music video for when it all launched. But I do think it's really beautiful. But I have another one that could sneak in there. Okay. Elicit Affair. We've been in the knowing. Oh. 
You love that song. I love that song. Yeah. Okay. It's really fun. It's so good. Okay, wait. We have like, we're running out of time here. I know, because we do want to get to the the wonderful interview that we had. Yes, we have an amazing episode ahead. Right. And so, but we, you know, we had a little extra time. So we wanted to talk about what matters most for us in these times. There's so much going on. Do you want to talk about the Emmys for a second? I do, because I touch upon it in my dose of drama, which foreshadowing um some <laughs> i talk about uh, some, some major snubs that are happening with the emmys which they are going to be online this year mm-hmm. um which you know why they aren't just going to quarantine every single person and, and put them in there is anybody's thought now because everything's going into production you know drag race has allegedly started filming and mm. i know a lot of hbo shows have really contained their environments and are filming wig i know do you think that people nominated for emmys this year will still dress up and do like red carpet type things. I wonder if they're going to alert the winners in advance and have them record mm. acceptance speeches. Because I think that's the that's how how we know they figured out quickly how to do these live events from mm-hmm. home is to have the content be pre recorded so that sound issues are figured out. There's no like awkward. Are you there's there? No, there's no Raul Esparza Sondheim uh, scenario. Love um, him. Oh my God. I know. So I, I think that that is probably what's going to happen. I think that they could probably give it a week and, and yeah, everyone sits on that secret who wins and everything. But, um, God, I just want to like see something, uh, an exciting live event again. And I think the Emmys, I look forward to every year because I watch so much TV. Well, I, I don't know why they don't just do it as the drive in. You know, they're doing these drive in drag shows. Only person who gets out is the person who gets out to accept their award. Everyone's wearing a mask. They step up into the podium and everything's, and you know, yeah. they give their speech and then they go back to their car with their Emmy. So they could do that for the people that are in, hypothetically, L.A. or wherever they film it. Right. But I guess people who can't make it or can't drive or I don't I don't feel safe flying, but no, um, people who fly. Okay, interesting, interesting. But I, I just want to say I'm so gagged that Insecure got so many Emmy nominations. I'm wearing my We Got Y'all shirt right yes. now. Yeah. Issa just deserves the world. Yeah, and and it's overdue. I think she's going to win. I hope so. I yeah. hope I or like, Catherine I, O'Hara. I kind of want Shit's Creek to win yeah. Best Comedy. Catherine O'Hara could. Okay, here's here. Okay, here's what I'll do. Catherine O'Hara can win because it's her last season of Shit's Creek. Issa will win a, another season, but maybe Insecure year wins best i don't know i i'm having trouble i do think this was one of insecure's best seasons oh it was so good that episode what was it low-key happy mm-hmm. where her and lawrence have this just it's almost mystical time timeless you know what it reminds night? me of thinking about it euphoria Ugh. which exists in this strange sort of drug trip i mean the whole thing feels like you're in a weird kaleidoscope um and zendaya was no- was nominated queen she's great in that show she's amazing i think that was like a surprise people are saying that she stole reese witherspoon's nomination but like no i'll tell you i would swap out okay i haven't seen laura linney in i think it's ozark Ozark. but she's been nominated for emmys before right yeah oh yeah she's very decorated she and then i think olivia coleman's good in the crown you know, Jodie Comer won for Killing Eve last year. Even though Reese has been nominated for the, this Emmy before, her performance in Little Fires Everywhere was mm-hmm. unbelievable. You take her Madeline McKenzie from Big Little Lies and you raise it 10. It is like truly transcendent. Oh, wait, and would that be limited series? Actress, oh, yeah. Though? We're confusing. Our, we're, we're having category fraud right now. But regardless, I think that. Yeah, Reese, I'm, I'm getting it mixed up. Reese's performance in Little Fires Everywhere is remarkable i'm cl- so glad carrie got a nomination me too i'm a little sometimes her acting is a little oh but we broad for it we live I for her, her deliveries and that girl that they had playing young carrie, carrie. washington mm-hmm. <gasps> she nailed the like big mouth like the opening of her mouth like because the mannerisms carrie choose every <laughs> syllable of her of her deliveries she does it's remarkable oh i love her yeah it's great I am so gagged that Paul Meskel was nominated for Normal People. Yes, he's just Ugh. everything. I'm surprised. Meet me behind the mall, Paul. Oh. I'm surprised his co-star didn't get nominated. Daisy. I am too, but I think there were so many performances for women this year. So that would have also fallen into the limited, limited. series, right? Is... Yeah, it would have because Normal People is only a limited series. Yeah. I forget what else is nominated there. What's kind of fun is a lot of these shows like Little Fires Everywhere and Insecure and um, Normal People 
Watchmen. These are all things that I think we collectively as a world have watched during quarantine. Yeah. So I feel like we've all been in this road together and now we're all sort of reaping the benefits of what of what who is going to be nominated and awarded. In You're the right. End. I love when the country like comes together for something fun. Yeah. And a concept. And, you know, we're going to come together in November, but we need to register. Make sure you re- request your ballot early. I did. Did you? Yes. Got to do it. I know it's time to vote him out. Yes. And Biden. I just have to say this. I know it's August, but Biden wasn't my first choice either. And I'm going there. We need to vote for Biden. Yes. This is ridiculous. Trump literally wants to move the election because he knows he going to lose. Mm-hmm. So this is just ridiculous. We need a president who is going to take care of the people and is going to help tackle this horrible pandemic that persists and is only going to get, I'm going to say it, it's going to get worse through the fall and winter. Yeah. So we got to vote. We do. You know, and vote early. Early. Vote as early as you can. The thing is, is Biden is going to be a transitional president. He does not expect any interest in doing a full two-term scenario. He's going to have one term. He's going to start cleaning up the mess. And then we can get in some icon. Elizabeth Warren, for example, who in this house we... Stacey Abrams just paving the way for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I know. That'll happen. One day. It'll be very um, The Politician season two where they're like, we're actually going to... Okay, this is a spoiler for the end of season two of The Politician. We don't talk about The Politician. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I can't. Where they're like, we're actually going to lower the age so you could be VP. It's all cracked. And so has this entire recording. (laughs) I know, but I missed it. It's been so fun. And if you've made it this far... I hope that you're excited for this interview that we have next. Larry Owens is amazing. And I mean, you you read in the episode title, it's Larry Owens. And you've heard his voice on the Strange Loop cast recording. And if you haven't, go listen to that first and then listen to him talk about it. Oh, my God. I hate when people I hate when podcast hosts tell you what you're going to hear before the episode. happens. Yeah, we'll let you we'll let you find out what we talk about. But in the meantime, we hope that everyone's out there staying safe and, you know, staying ready. Because if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. All right, let's get going. Let's bring in our guest. Okay, our guest today recently received the Triple Crown of Off-Broadway Awards, winning the Obie, Lortel, and Drama Desk Awards as the star of the Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, A Strange Loop. In addition to his performance as Usher, he's appeared in Fat Camp, Grease, Gigantic, Dreamgirls, and more. He's been featured on the New York Times Best of Comedy list, Vulture's Comedians You Should Know, and Time Out New York's Comedians Are Obsessed With. As an inimitable breakout star of the comedy scene in New York City, our guest blends comedy and cabaret for sold-out crowds at the Bell House, Caroline's on Broadway, in the U.S., and in Canada. He's the host of the musical comedy podcast, What Makes You Sing. You'll recognize him from High Maintenance, Search Party, Helpsters, Dash and Lily, and in the upcoming film, Silent Retreat, Please welcome to drama, Larry, Larry Owens. Owens. <laughs> oh, wow. That was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> You're so accomplished, and especially recently. <laughs> especially recently. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this, Larry. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, on drama, we love to talk about theater and pop culture and just a whole variety of things. But I think Con and I are both eager to talk to you, especially about A Strange Loop, which we saw in its extension last summer already. It's been over a year now, I think. Yeah. Um, And you are just a supernova. (laughs) Oh my gosh, thank you. It was seriously one of the best things I've seen in so long. And um, wait, actually, I was thinking about this. I was remembering when we were there and a celebrity was there too. And the whole time we were watching the show, I would like think, I wonder what, I could hear her laugh. It was Jane Krakowski. Um, Do you remember when she came? (laughs) I I didn't meet Jane when she came to the show, but I, yeah, my, one of my friends works with her. And so... I, I heard that they spoke about the show, which is just like, what does that conversation sound like? I would love that. Oh, <laughs> so cool. Actually, you know what? She also made a terrific guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. <sighs> Nothing better than literally having, like I'm obsessed with the woman whose voice is gone. Like I, <laughs> just, like, I think that it just 
it's like, I don't know. It's like something about the vulnerability, having to muscle through the texture, like something about it actually is empowering to me. And I thought that- Oh my God. I thought that her, her sharing that with us, that croaky voice was exceptional. Iconic. But anyway, A Strange Loop was amazing. Um, and I've been it's listening- about Jane Krakowski. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, on, on Drag Race, I thought she gave phenomenal feedback, except I felt like they gaslit Blair a little bit. Not that I, like, wanted Blair to do well in the comedy challenge, but... I'm, I am I think that Jane deserves a permanent seat on yes. the U.S., and I am directing all of my time and attention to Drag Race Canada, which yeah. oh. is just... It, like, it just is so... It has that let's put on a show vibe to it. The Queens aren't like socially, like they aren't camera savvy. Like they're not, um, what's the word? They're not as like business driven. <laughs> and I feel oh, like yeah. American Queen goes on the show. Like they don't know how many weeks they have. So they're like, let me get a catchphrase out. Let me get a uh-huh. slogan out before um, before this is over. And I don't feel that with the Canadian girls. I feel the Canadian girls, like, so sweet and kind, but, like, have access to bitchiness. And, uh-huh. and I like I like it being at a different level, some might say a little bit lower than the American. Like, it's charming. Sure. I like the charm of Canada's Drag Race. How about that? It brought yes. charm back to the franchise. You nailed it. Absolutely. Who's your fave? I love them all. I mean, Priyanka. Yes. an amazing word. Like, it's literally that lip sync. I loved it because oh my God. it's just a great, like, a great lesson for lip syncing. Kiara was doing great, and she was energetic, mm-hmm. and Priyanka also has tricks and energy and everything. But ultimately, like, Priyanka's quality of storytelling was just I know. higher. It was just higher. And like in Priyanka's choice to like choices to like be still and just like shoot energy out of I know. herself. It was like it was it made it a really funny image to have her like standing solid and then Kiara like splayed out on the floor. I know. It reminded me of the um Latrice and Kenya Michaels natural woman lip sync in season four. It's a similar lesson. Yeah, similar, similar lesson. lesson. I am a Rita Baga super fan. I think that she is so cool and so cracked. And that Edith Piaf, what? The Edith Piaf was really great to do a grotesque (laughs) on the show and just (laughs) literally like to become more grotesque and unintelligible as it goes on. I I thought that was really funny. Oh, that was really funny. And I just Jimbo. I love all of I love so many mm-hmm. of the girls. Jimbo's rumors are so good. And like so like so mean. Like that I actually like I mm-hmm. had to laugh. Like uh-huh. there's a moment where Bowie dropped a punchline and <laughs> she literally is just like, is you're a fat bitch and it's like <laughs> I would take it under zero circumstances, but literally, like, while playing Joan Rivers, like, I just, I know. that is the perfect choice. It is the right joke. And I, I can't believe someone hadn't done Joan before. Like, that seems obvious. The it's. I think that when you hear you're going on Drag Race, like, the snatch game is very, very difficult. I mean, we all stars had a really good snatch game this this year too. Yeah. We've, we've been blessed with these snatch games. Definitely For all. <laughs> For real. You I, know who would make a good um, Snatch Game character is Leslie Jordan. Leslie Jordan. I'm sure we're going to see a Leslie Jordan. And especially right. now that Shay has won with a male character, which I think has done mm-hmm. happened before, maybe with Kennedy as Lil Richard. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you yeah. can win in trousers, Bill Finn reference. So oh. we'll see if we get a Leslie Jordan. A Leslie Jordan. Yeah. Has there been a Leslie Jones? I feel like she's also be really fun. Yeah, didn't um, someone did Leslie Jones? Someone, right? they, they, oh, um, Heidi, Heidi did. And uh, yeah, failure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which means they're like you're still up for grabs. And the Vivian in UK did Trump, and won. Love that. 
I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Lemon was great as Jojo Siwa. I love Lemon. Oh, I, wow. I mean, Lemon's reads were so good. The reading challenge. I love it. I love this RuPaul's Drag Race Canada podcast I'm on. I know. I know. This is... This is yeah. So comfy, though. I know. It's part of it's part of the world of drama, but did any RuPaul affiliated people come and see a strange loop? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think any I don't think any queens would come to see it. But yeah. It, yeah. Any any other fun celebs or were you always like, I don't wanna know, I just wanna get through the show? Because it was a, a mammoth performance <laughs> that you had. I I, I I think I realized during that show, or maybe it was because of what the role was, that like I didn't care to know. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't. I mean, then sometimes like you would literally just like see like li- like there's a moment in the show where like sort of like the set does a thing, and then it goes from being like stark to very specific, and so so there's like a like there's a lot of lighting, and so then the audience becomes lit. <laughs> And so, like, there's just like Jonathan Groff, like, 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 smi- like smiling through this hard play, and like, it's like a beautiful way. I could tell that he was just like, ah. <laughs> like, just like you will be like, oh, okay, that's that's Groff, or like Billy, like if they if they're sitting in the in the front rows, then it's like, yeah, it's a small. We we love the intimacy of off Broadway, so you're like, yeah, that's Billy Porter. And like, that's and I, feel, I feel like the composers I would always know. So I'd be like, there's Lynn, there's there's. JR, Jason Robert Brown. I remember seeing, I remember seeing Jason Robert Brown also just like clocking their faces as well, like their expressions. As, oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. I didn't know about the Sondheim night, and I'm so happy because oh. I I like don't know. I'm I'm sure I would have like imploded and like sabotaged the performance in some way. Like just like just to be like, great, so now he hasn't seen me do anything perfect. But like me not knowing, I actually went out there and I had well, a vocally good show. <laughs> well, I know that Sondheim is like one of your ultimate like Sondheim and Bill Finn are like no, your heroes. I love Bill and Sandy. Actually for quarantine, I can't so I like outside of quarantine, I basically watch falsettos like or at a new brain the jonathan groff bootleg version like i i watch them like almost like every week or like on like a constant rotation and they're such my saving grace that i've made it so that i can't watch it during quarantine because (laughs) i like it's just like it hasn't been that dark yet i need to save it for like i don't know i feel like it's it's such an immediate joy and like mood booster Mm -hmm. that I feel like it's like, it's almost too easy. <laughs> I I totally get it. Um, wait, I was going to ask something about a strange loop because I was, when I'm, now that we have this beautiful cast recording of it, um, I was thinking about how the role of Usher is literally like, if you take Elphaba and like Evan Hansen, it's, it's, you're, you're in like every scene singing, like incredible doing incredible vocal gymnastics at all times i truly was like how is there not an alternate for this role like twice a week but i guess who else would play the part <laughs> it it definitely i mean part of like what attracted me to the role was that i like i loved i i like i as an actor i like to be used like as a as an actor i feel like i i like you know showing and, and I don't know, just getting it. I feel like there's, like you said, there's so many roles where like other people get to display this, you know, musical theater uh, performance skill that is so special. Like when you can, you know, like present it and share it and people recognize it, it's so special. And so I was, I was excited to do something that did involve involve myself and my, not myself, gross, that involved my body, <laughs> that involved my body and my identities in a way that was that was really um, fully rendered and and difficult and difficult. I there's a there is work for you know people of my type and everything. I just find it to be uh, simple simple stories and single stories and and so Usher had a lot to sing about and that was a and that was like cool. It was like and everything was coming from such an authentic place. The writing you know this couldn't be better. So it it made it yeah. I actually I saw Wicked last fall like I literally just took myself to see Wicked and then I and then I was tracking I was like oh yeah as a kid I was trying to make something like this and then I was like wait she sings four numbers in the first act and then she does three in the second like 
like a smoke break, <laughs> like, <laughs> like my track, like by what I just did is not hard. Like, like Rose has huge swaths of text and she does huge swaths of singing, but like the ratio just, it, it's just, there's no Evita. Like none of the girls do what Usher does. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally. Which is wild, wild. And just like to, I, I know, think, thanks to Liz Kaplan, she of the amazing vocal techniques and she really helped me to train the muscle of singing so that I could do it. And I and I'm like I don't ride roller coasters. I don't like I don't like heights. I don't like fast moving <laughs> things. But I will take a theatrical challenge. Like like any day. Like if, if if they're like let's make it harder, I'm like, I love that. Let's like how like that to me is as thrilling as, you know, what people get out of like roller coasters and stuff. Oh, well, well, you, you you're amazing. Yes, and clearly everyone else agreed because you were racking up the trophies all of this last couple of months for that part. <laughs> yes, very bizarre. Very bizarre to um, to have like a, a beautiful outpouring of <laughs> of like this, like you know, like it ex- like this. It exists. It's a part of of the industry. It's a right. Part of, if you do good work, then like that sort of thing happens. And I just, I feel really honestly like disconnected from it all. Um, just cause like there were not like what I would have valued about the experience would have been like being at, you know, like a right. party of like all my peers and like getting to like, like freak out to Francis Jew and like, you know, get my selfie with Graf finally. <laughs> like I just like I'm 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 so grateful for the recognition. I I wish that in just like honestly just like being with the cast and the company and, you know, our amazing team of producers and all the people who made the show uh, such a wonder like you just like you just don't get to like hug them and like <laughs> take a big picture which like yeah. before this before this felt really like you know it's just, it's just hugs and photos and proximity but now it's like what I would give to just have those hugs and those photos and that proximity it, it feels yeah it feels it feels bizarre but I'm super I'm super grateful like that yeah I can't I can't believe it I like I definitely have I definitely always knew that Michael was talented and that his writing and that like I would do anything for his writing to receive the recognition so like that like all of that like 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 him winning the Pulitzer for writing like absolutely like a, a premonition of mine just because of like that's nothing to do with me like that's his brain and his genius and like getting engaged <laughs> um getting into the page which is like so hard and what's such truth well i have a feeling we haven't seen the last of it or me or you or anything so maybe what maybe one day down the line maybe we'll see first pulitzer prize winning musical to say truvada and bussy i think (laughs) (laughs) i i yeah definitely musical Definitely musical. Definitely, mu- definitely musical. Um, wait, so going back to the beginning, because we touched on Sondheim and Bill Finn, but we'd like to talk about the Ring of Keys moment on our podcast. And Connor's mad because I'm stealing this moment for him because he usually introduces this segment, but I always I felt moved. I felt moved. This is a first in drama history, but I'm wondering if you have a Ring of Keys moment when you know when you were a small Allison and um, a lesbian walked into a dinette for you and that lesbian being theater. What was that moment for you? Um, I, 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 I like, I always just tell a different story, which is more fun than like telling the same story. Uh But I feel like, I feel like I just always responded to musical theater storytelling. Like, I feel like as a kid or like a toddler, like even like, as like a young person, you watch shows and then there's always like a moment of theatricality where like, there's either like a school play or something and they would they would show that school play for like five minutes at the end, you know, or something like. We're just like a piece of it in a movie. But I was always yes. so much more interested in that part of this, like in that that is a concept, that part of the scene than anything else. So I just like feel like I feel like I just had this innate. I just wanted to be a part of it, but then there were just so many amazing like TV movies, like that represented me like like watching brandy a cinderella i was like I, like i actually it feels weird now to have to like 
you know, like go back and like see how I fit into it all. Because as a kid, I was like, no, like that's the, she's the princess, the godmother. Like there's like, a, there are a bunch of roles actually, like the queen, like these mm-hmm. are, and these are great parts, you know? Like Audrey McDonald's Grace in, uh, you know, the Annie, Annie television movie was, I was like, yeah. I was like, no, like she is a great part. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like, yeah, like I'll just be in, I'll just be in stuff. And like, in, originally it was white, but now it just won't be. And <laughs> I like didn't realize it. So I, those were, those, those Rob Marshall, uh, Marin and Zayn yes. like productions, like really like, it, it put me in the center of musical theater. And because they had like black stars in them, I, I, I felt like, I don't know, it felt like something that like included like my like household too. And so it was like less weird that I was into it, basically like less gay. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's <laughs> sure, Randy, sure. it's Moesha. Because <laughs> you grew up with all sisters, right? Yes, okay, this research department is insane at the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, the producer's piping it into my ear as we speak. Actually, I'm 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 I'm, I'm dying to, to to quote to quote Trivada and Bussy and know my family history. Yes, I have five. <laughs> so yeah, and I'm like I'm definitely an anomaly. That's I I totally hear you about the brandy. And you know what's cool about that Cinderella is now a strange loop, and you and that role is going to be that for someone else. And some some young gay black kid is going to see that, and it's it's really amazing. You might it might make you blush to hear it now, but in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, I I think it's I think it's really cool, and just like honestly, just to have something that like I hope that like these young these young kids like don't feel like Usher, like I because like mm-hmm. I like I, I I don't feel completely like Usher, but there are things I identify. There are things that everyone identifies with. That's why the musical is a success. Like it doesn't matter what your protagonist looks like. Like p- the feelings are relatable. Like the emotions are writ large. But I I do hope that like a lot of the things that Usher has to go through that like people don't have to. But then that becomes the acting challenge. Is like is like you get to get to play what it's like to like live in a society where you might be discarded or undervalued or you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I, I hope that, like, it becomes, I hope that it becomes, like, a, an acting challenge for people who look like me, where they're like, oh, remember when that used to happen? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, no. And now, like, we have, you know, we have this starring role in a, in a great musical in that, also, like, that it just provides a way for talent, too. Like, you can't break out if you can't break in is something that I say. Mm. Like, how do we mm. get more people who like look like me, like in all platforms, like they, they need an opportunity, like musical theater, you pass down these roles. Like they become, they become like the thing, you know, the thing that introduces that like people get to aspire to, or like people like Europe so-and-so, you know? And so mm-hmm. just like leaving that so that when someone, you know, is ready and can do it, that they can, rise to the occasion of this great role like Hamlet or something and and then honestly have a career and get paid money <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's only the beginning because I, I feel like when theater really comes back in a live form we're going to see so much more from you down the line as well <laughs> oh my god and I want especially some more from your comedy scene which we've only seen you in guest capacities at other comedy shows at the duplex and other venues but you also were on all these lists and in demand. <laughs> yes, I definitely did a bunch of comedy. But honestly, as like a backdoor way to, um, like, honestly, it's, it's literally just musical theater. <laughs> like, it's... Sure. It's like, it's musical theater with comedy swag. Like, I wrote these, like, these songs that became my act and just, like, there's an amazing alt-queer scene. Julio Torres, Sydney Washington, Lorelai Ramirez, Bowen Yang, Matt Rock. Like, they're just, like, the kids are so good. They're all right. Um, and they... The kids are all right. The kids are all right. And I, like, literally just, like, was invited to start to, like, perform with them and learn from them and then like just bringing myself to it um and yeah so then it opened up this like whole other way that like when I wasn't like strangely like hadn't premiered yet but I was the artist who was always making it and always was like I was kind of the same person and so before I had that like you know that sort of like 
New York City stamp. Like, look, it's a person now. Like, before I had that, <laughs> comedy was an amazing way for me to just, like, literally do art. Like, like people pay $5. They, like, have a couple of beers. They, like, see their friends. Like, they stand up, like, in the back of a, mm-hmm. you know. Like, it's just so... To me, it was so beautifully like democratic. It was just like so accessible, but the the talent and the thoughts, like what people present in their stand-up acts, is actually some of like the most like immediate. Like you don't get ideas that immediate on a Broadway stage because of how long it takes for it to get. Like it takes six years. So like the thought that you're watching a Broadway stage is six years old, and we do, we send texts and tweets and we we just keep we have a feed we power. Yeah. So it's like. So it's like getting 400 people in a room to watch something that was created that day or worked out that week before that's like not precious and not expensive, but still really well-made is what I got mm-hmm. from, from doing comedy. Oh, it's thrilling. Yeah, I got to sing. You know, but like, and all that to say that like, I literally like, I just bell. I'm like, great, these are my good notes. And like, and when I feel when I'm not feeling it, I'm like, great, I'll do one comedy song. I have eight minutes. Great, I'll do I'll do my three minute comedy song. I'll do two minutes of, of yelling jokes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just yelling, just absolute presence fucking. And then uh, I'll like do I'll finish with being alive because I like feel like I might want to cry today. <laughs> That like oh yeah I'm like at any point I can just throw in a song for myself and because comedy audiences yes they're judgmental in a way that like they want they're not judgmental they want you to be good if you're good there's no comedy audience that will not laugh but like obviously mm. we know the opposite but like a comedy audience is actually really really patient I've seen comedy audiences sit through like moments of like huge duration that would make Chekhov scream like you know like literally like <laughs> like like I've seen comedians do like stretches of like silence and uncomfortability that are like beyond Pinteresque and so in that same way that if me if like if the black the black fat comic like is just singing a ballad for three minutes they're like cool <laughs> In a way that it's, it's, like it's worth that entry. Musical theater on just like, what are you doing? <laughs> Literally. I know, right? What are you doing? <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, so as we're reaching the end of the podcast here, we like to wrap up on a dose of drama, which is usually something that's on the top of your mind at the end of this conversation. It could be a piece of content that you've been consuming, a topic we discussed earlier, maybe, you know, something, something dramatic that you're feeling passionate to speak to. And I have something that I'm thinking, that I've been thinking about all weekend. Well, Trump has announced that he wants to ban TikTok. Is it happening? Is it not? I have no idea. But I just need to know where all of the cute, shirtless young boys are going to disappear to when TikTok is gone. Because, I mean, honestly, nobody really knew where they came from when TikTok, when it introduced us to them. And now I have no clue where they're going to go with their shenanigans when when it's gone i'm I'm sad i love tiktok maybe twitter are the t- are the are the tiktok gays gonna become twitter gays yeah this is just it's disappointing all around um tiktok is tiktok is is fun it's fun but we definitely don't need <laughs> we don't it just like when vine vine died People, people got, they were, they, you know, they were unhoused on the internet. And so, time will tell. I hear that Microsoft is, hear that Microsoft is, is buying TikTok though. Oh, T. All right. My dose of drama is that, and this is, we haven't had a chance to talk about Emmy nominations yet on the podcast, but it's that none of the women from Pose were nominated, which is just, we should just pack up and go home. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I honestly feel like I, I mean, it's, it's transphobia at this point that they don't even recognize them as women in these, in the categories. And I'm not going to name names because I don't like to be negative on the podcast, but there are people who were nominated this year that it's like, what? And, and for that, and, and you, if you watch any episode of MJ yeah. Rodriguez, who we worship every single week on this podcast, you will and and I mean, India Moore, everybody on that show, uh, Angelica Ross for her phenomenal. I mean, just watch Pose instead of the Emmys this year because it is absolutely incredible. <laughs> I love that. Speak to it. 
I hope they turn it out with something like put in some cool reason for us to watch. Cause if it's just like zoom awards acceptances, it'll be sad. I know. Maybe we have to just adjust to them. I don't know. I know. I know. I just want everyone to stay safe. I feel like there's a lot of like production that's happening. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I feel like there's just a lot of production happening. And I just want everyone is staying safe. Um, I feel like hair and makeup, I'm seeing a lot of people in hair and makeup, and that feels honestly like the least COVID safe thing um, ever. Um, so uh-huh. hopefully there's a way to make an interesting program. Actually, BET Awards, they did a virtual ceremony. They should, whoever they the producers are, the BET Awards, you should hire them because they made it good. They had Amanda Seals like in like a green screen, like doing basically yeah. like Larry Owens comedy. <laughs> Just, like, Which we love, so. <laughs> and then they had these taped performances again the production mm-hmm. people were <laughs> people were definitely out of but i think that's where like we got the first like chloe and hallie tennis court video yes or no the vmas the, the first one with the yellow and the pink that was so good just them laying on the, so good. them laying on the the blue water the spongebob and patrick we love it Yes, they're killing it with their at-home performances. For real. Yeah, I they're amazing. love them so much. I just want them to stay safe. Too much production. I know. <laughs> I know. Larry, do you have a dose of drama? <laughs> a dose of drama. Um, um, this is this goes to corporations out there. Pay your invoices on time, okay? It's like, it's month five of the pandemic. We're all going through. Like, don't ask for an invoice, honey, if you're just gonna send me a check whenever you want to. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. On my invoice, I put due date. I would like to be paid uh, by this day. I also put direct deposit. No one's going to a bank, honey. So when you send me that check after asking me and then the check's still not here, then the runaround, I've asked six times, what's your number so I can follow up? And then you never put your number in there. You're evading me, okay? And I don't think you want this <laughs> class action suit as to why I might be receiving less than preferential treatment. So this is just a vague, a vague call in, not call us, this is a call in to people in charge of payroll. No more, someone said this word earlier, shenanigans. Shenanigans. Well, Larry Owens, right. you are an icon. We are so thankful for you to taking their time on drama. And we leave on an absolutely like positive note. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we absolutely just lasering down um, accounts accounts payable. Thank, thanks for having me. Of course, absolutely. Everybody, follow Larry on. Twitter and Instagram, it's Larry Owens Live. And don't forget to follow us at The Drama Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and also check out everything Larry's got out there. All right, Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama. Drama.